You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive a discount. Today, I have a packed show for you, starting with my thoughts on the final and some of the big final cuts by Washington, and then I have a conversation with Washington safety Landon Collins. We talk Sean Taylor, Ron Rivera, and what he likes about the new defense. Then, I have an emotional conversation with receiver Trey Quinn. Yes, Quinn was released by Washington on Saturday, but this conversation goes beyond football and focuses on how he's trying to help out his hometown of Lake Charles, Louisiana, which was devastated recently by Hurricane Laura. It's an emotional interview and well worth your time. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. Plenty of stories on the site now, including the Alex Smith comeback story for the ages. You can also follow me on Twitter at John underscore Kime, K-E-I-M. Before I get to my conversation with Landon Collins, I wanted to go over some of the final cuts and what they mean. Keep in mind, some spots will shift around based on waiver claims, but I'm going to stick with the big moves here. Let's start with Friday's surprise release of running back Adrian Peterson. Listen, a little more than a week ago, he was on the roster. Every conversation I had with people over there said as much. Before training camp, I wondered if he might be the so-called surprise cut that always happens, so I did talk to some people at that time. I included him in my 53-man projection based on what they said. But like many, I wondered about his role, especially knowing the young backs. As camp evolved, so did the other backs, and so did quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Both were key. It's also an indication of how the Washington views the NFL and the modern modern offenses. Peterson would be a good would be good for a ball control offense or situation. But can they score playing that way? That was the key. It's not about controlling the clock. You can control the clock all you want, but if you don't, if you come away with field goals all the time, you're going to lose. They need touchdowns, and they know that. Ron Rivera talked about that earlier this week about how the NFL is going. That while they lo- they love their defense, what they can do, they know that they have to be able to score to win. And to score in this offense, they needed to diversify, and that's where the other backs come in. All of them have multidimensional skills. And when you look at the receiver position, there's Terry McLaurin, who proved himself what he could do last year. Steven Sims, who who did at the end of the season, and you think he can do things, and I do think he will. Beyond that, a lot of question marks. A lot of question marks at tight end. So they have to tap into that running back versatility. And yes, even Peyton Barber has it. He's to me, he's best as a backup. They really do like him, but he can help in both the run and the pass. I think that's one of the things that jumped out to them. And, it's, and it fits for what they can do. And But again, like it's not to say this guy's an all-time great, but for what they want to do, they feel he fits in. And it's really also about an, rookie Antonio Gibson and what they feel he can do as well and how, what he can do early. He and J.D. McKissick could become a fun pairing. And remember, McKissick is their version of Chris Thompson. So 
you know, with, with those two out there, you don't know what's going to come because they can both run routes from receiver positions. That's a big key. Also, with Bryce Love, more than a week ago, I had him off the roster based, again, on what I was hearing. And I will say, I stress that, you know, you're not getting as many conversations with people because of the way camp was set up. You didn't have the private one-on-one conversations after practice that often gives you a lot more information. So you try to piece things together. You try to read tea leaves more, and you have what conversations you can and when you can. But to me, and, and I think to others, more importantly, he looked really average. Earlier this week, though, I was told they felt he had started to show a little bit more as his confidence grew, and there was a feeling that perhaps in time he could get back to where he was, Uh, maybe after another month or two. He's not there now. He might never be, but he does offer multidimensional skills, and because of where this team is at, they might as well see if he can get back to his Stanford ways because he'd be worth the payoff. If not, okay, he can help now, just not to the level that maybe you had hoped if he was back to his Stanford days. And, you know, okay, Peterson was a terrific runner. He was very good in the locker room, but they did feel they were limited with him as their primary back. One last factor entered into play here, and it's the comfort level of Dwayne Haskins running what they want out of, their, out of these two-back sets. It'll be a little bit closer to what he ran at Ohio State in terms of style. And you don't just say, hey, run what he did at Ohio State, because you're talking college to the NFL. You're talking huge level of talent disparities. You can't just take one offense here and think it's going to work over here. Defenses are better. Players are more similar in talent level. And, you know, and there's that. But there are there is a style that you can run, and I think that's what they're looking at doing. And they realize they could play this way because Haskins felt good with what they were doing here. Again, it's not just saying, oh, you did this at Ohio State. It should be second nature. There's so much more that goes into it in terms of reading defenses, in terms of knowing how to adjust off things, et cetera. And that's where his comfort level was getting to. And so that's why they feel they felt okay making this move. And, you know, all of that is precisely what I heard in a call I received Wednesday morning. For me, it was the first time that I thought Peterson might be in trouble. But I thought it could be more that Love would stick around than Peterson would go because it still wasn't clear what they had in mind for Peterson. On Friday, of course, it became clear. Peterson can still run. He can still break arm tackles. I think he can still help a team. But coaches see him as being limited to a specific role, and he wasn't going to accept a reduced role here. They knew that. He knew that. But apparently that's the role that Detroit now sees for him where he will be, where he was signed, the, um, um, where he was signed. Now, on to Alex Smith. I've undersold him all along, and I have no problems admitting that. A lot of that was based on what I was hearing or just from others or respect who held the same doubts as probably everybody listening right now. Some of those people were close to him. Some were in the organization, folks who could not fathom what he was capable of, of completing. I'm, I'm, again, I'm one of them. It wasn't so much about him as the mountain you knew he had to climb. And we know, we know he's close to Dan Snyder, but Ron Rivera has shown that he's in charge with this stuff. And Smith would not be here, I don't think, if Rivera didn't think he could contribute. I reported this on SportsCenter the other day, but Rivera had two meetings with Smith. He only spoke of one on our Zoom conference call after the final cuts, but the first meeting he has with, that he had was just with, with Smith. Rivera wanted to know how much fire still burned in Smith to, to make the team and to get back on the field. Was it just about showing he could do it, or did he really still want to play and have that same desire? He came away pretty satisfied, but Rivera knows that he's not a QB expert, so he wasn't sure how to gauge what he was seeing on the field or what was important to gauge. So the next day, he brought in quarterbacks coach Ken Zampezi and offensive coordinator Scott Turner. They were honest with Smith 
I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. They were honest with Smith about where he was at from a quarterback skills perspective. It's going to take him some time. He's definitely still rusty, but they felt he had progressed enough to warrant a spot. They also liked how, for example, one of the improvements, his lower body was getting more involved in his throws, creating more torque, leading to some stronger throws. And you know that was one of the little things they started to see. And again, he's not the same player. They know that. But they needed to see some other things. And, and he's not going to be the same player because you don't go through what he went through and think you are going to be the same player. And again, Smith displayed his passion in those meetings for wanting to continue. Then, on Thursday and Friday, they put him through his most extensive action in 11-on-11 work, including for the first time on Thursday in full pads. Rivera loved that Smith never flinched under pressure, even when some guys were falling down around him or when guys were in his face. He added up and it convinced Rivera that Smith should be on there. On Friday, I was told some things that strongly, strongly suggested he'd be on, but I wasn't sure if there was a chance he'd make it and then get placed on IR. I couldn't get that one answered. That was once a possibility. It's a phenomenal story, and it's one where I was happy that my opinion was off. It is, it's remarkable to have a front row seat to seeing this take place. I think, I will say, I think the lack of preseason games truly hurt their ability to gauge Smith's real progress at times. And I think that's, you know, people didn't seem to mind the lack of preseason games. Teams did miss them because it, gave, it made it harder to make certain decisions. And Smith is still rusty. I don't know they'll even play a game this year. If Haskins plays well, Smith won't see the field. The question becomes, though, does he progress enough to ever be the number two quarterback? I don't know that. What I also know is that I think his impact will be he was a good mentor for Haskins, especially in the second half of last year. I think having guys like Haskins and even Kyle Allen watch how Smith prepares for a game, sitting in him with sitting in meetings with him when he is looking to prepare for a game. I think all that stuff will help because you know that's that's how you that's how you help guys grow and it's how we help Patrick Mahomes. And I was talking to Urban Meyer the other day for something later in the week um, involving Smith. But one of the things that he said too is he felt it would be good for Haskins because he felt it would challenge Haskins and it would give him a blueprint for how you have to succeed for a long time in the NFL. And of course, Meyer coached both players. On Ruben Foster to injured reserve, there are a couple things at play here. One, I can't stress enough how much the organization and people here really like Foster. Multiple people have told me he has an infectious personality. Yes, he's had those off-field issues with domestic violence cases. Both cases were also dropped. He's also had a brutal life story, and you can Google that and find out all about it. But people here really like being around him, and they want to help him. By keeping him around, it gives them some structure and the ability to continue working toward a possible return. They've seen him make improvements in his personal life. They know he's around his best buddies from Alabama, including including defensive end Ryan Anderson. So they'd like to keep him around, in essence, to help him continue working his way back to, and to see if it makes a difference, both in his personal life and also on the field. I know there's some skepticism that he'll ever get back to where he was. He suffered a horrible injury and also had nerve damage. But I do think this is as much about wanting to help him as it is about a possible payoff for them down the road. Listen, they don't know if he'll get back to that point. I think there's a little bit of a there. I think there's a little bit of wondering if he could do it. If that's the case, they're going to keep him around. I don't, you know. But again, I think I think there are some a lot of things at play here because they really do like the kid. And I will just just so you know, Washington because he was put on IR before final cuts. Washington can't activate him off IR this year. It could release him. If he got to a point where he's looking great and could play, it's possible that he could ask for his release and then go play, else, play elsewhere. But I think for now, what they like to see is him stick around, help him grow, continue to grow as a person, and maybe as a player.
on Sean Davis. Troy Apke beat him out plain and simple, and Cameron Curl's rise made him expendable. Davis never really made a play in camp that made you really even talk about talk about him. The only the reason why you noticed him is because he was a free agent signing and you thought that he was going to be the starter. I mean, he really didn't do anything that jumped out. Not to say I was studying every play. It's just that when you're watching it, you saw Aki do some things. Curl made plays. They liked DeShazer Everett. He flashed on occasion. So even though Davis had a $2 million cap hit, they got rid of him. And I think it, what it suggests is they're willing to admit maybe a mistake, or um, but it was also about admitting that maybe other guys were better. And, and I think it's, you know, they didn't force... Some teams want to force their guys on there. If the guy's a free agent, if, if it's a draft pick, they want to force it to say, hey, we made the right call here. But they didn't do that here. And, and I think that's to their credit. Now, someone else pointed on Twitter, it also means they made a mistake in evaluation. Yeah, perhaps. But I think if Apke hadn't flashed the way he did and if Curl hadn't developed, then Sean Davis would definitely be on the field here for them. Curl is the one they're crossing their fingers with about his future. They like what he can do on special teams, and that was a big factor as well. He, can, he improved over camp with, with all facets of the game. So I think there's some, I don't know about it, excitement might be a little bit stronger, but I think they're pretty happy with what they saw. And he's a guy that, keep in mind, I go back to the North preseason games, to, to make it the way he did is really difficult in that situation, and he did it. And again, special teams a big key here. Initially, they're going to sign. They were going to keep five safeties and five corners, but they opted instead for six corners and four safeties. So you know, listen, I was wrong on a few guys. I was right on Curl, and I was also right on receiver Isaiah Wright. And I think that went into the Trey Quinn decision. They only kept five receivers. Wright has is strong, has size, and he can help on special teams. I think what helped them there is that they know that guys like McKissick. And, and Antonio Gibson, if they get into a pinch in a game, can run routes from receiver positions and could go play those. They could play in the slot. They could do this. They could do that. You know, and they don't have to have as many receivers because of the versatility at running back. At defensive end, there were a couple things in play here. One, I liked what I saw from Jordan Brailford, especially early in camp, and then James Smith-Williams later. I have to admit, I didn't start focusing more on Smith-Williams until maybe a week or so ago. And I, point, I think I pointed that out before, but he, he, they would line him up inside as a tackle in some packages. He's an end, but he could play inside. That versatility is why he's on the roster, especially over Brailford. They really like Brailford. Um, and assuming he wasn't signed by anybody else, he'll, he'll be on the practice squad to develop. They do like him. And I think because of the depth there, he, or in another year, I think he definitely makes it. But because of the depth they have there and because of James Smith-Williams' versatility, and he looked good at times too. So he didn't, it's not just about versatility, it's about he looked good in those spots. Um, so, and yes, while some teams called about end Ryan Anderson, nobody made him an offer. I told you in the spring that nobody then was calling on him when there was some speculation about a trade. My, my guy, Ben Standing from The Athletic, wrote an article wondering if they should trade him, not saying they were going to trade him, not saying he was on the market, just wondering if they... He was, and I think he floated it as an idea. Hey, here's a way they could do. Here are some moves they can make. It's a good, it's a good article, and but it wasn't saying there that he was on the market. Others took it to mean that he was in the market. That was never the case. Washington does value him. He can play violent, set a strong edge, good in the locker room too. Maybe he won't be here next year. That shouldn't be the main factor moving on from him right now. He can help, and nobody really knows this season how it will play out. Just because fans and even media are skeptical about what this team could do doesn't mean they have to have the same mindset. They know it's going to be tough to win. Some team will be surprised. So don't get rid of guys you like and who you can think can help. And what if he does well enough and they do keep him around? Don't know. I wouldn't see that, I think, because of Smith-Williams and Brailford, but you never know. And again, he's, he's a guy who can help, 
And so there you go. All right, well, that's enough rambling for now. After this break, I'll be back with my conversation with Washington Safety, Landon Collins. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Washington Safety, Landon Collins. So I know that a lot of this is about they're changing the name to Sean Taylor Way around the stadium. I'm just curious, you know, someone who grew up, you know the story, how much you liked and followed him and admired him. What does it mean for you even to see that and to be part of a time here where you know, something like that is going on for him? Oh, man, it's amazing, honestly. I mean, you're remembering a guy that, and that gave his heart and his life and it's everything for this for this team, for this sport, and um, and for this um, this um, this organization. So it's a blessing, bro. And um, just to remember a person that that, that that did everything for this for this organization, it was it was it's, it's a good idea to do that for sure. What what have you have you learned some things about him since you've been here that maybe surprised you or that you didn't know? Uh, no, I kind of read up, like I literally read almost everything I could find about Sean, uh, asking multiple guys that know him personally, uh, that played with him, all that. So, uh, I think the only thing would be a few things, I mean, that Dan told me, but that was between me and Dan. So other than that, I can't tell you those things. Sure, sure, sure. But you know, like, you, but you know how much he meant to Dan too. So correct, does it correct. still, does it still seem mean something to you to be playing for this franchise, the one that he played for? Oh, and it's, and it's almost like, I don't know, it's out of this world. It's just, I always remember, like, I get to play this, play this game and play for a team that my favorite player used to play for, you know, and uh, it's a dream come true. Always. I wake up What's every morning that? with a smile on my face knowing that I'm going to play for the, for the Washington football team. <laughs> What what's the biggest thing that you take that you, when you watch Sean and watch him play? What's the biggest thing you took from his game to a try to apply? Because everybody's different. He was so unique. But what is the biggest thing you took from him to try to apply to your game? Just have passion, have passion, have heart. Um, love love what you do, no matter what, no matter the outcome, no matter the win loss. Know that um, you get the you get the opportunity to play this game each and every day and, and make it make it better. And that's what I saw within his game. How often do you watch stuff of him? All the time. Um, usually I watch probably if I'm if you if say in a week I'm watching at least I'll write something about him about four times and I definitely always get catch up on a reading or something like that of him. And what is it like? What what do you what do you like learning about him? What is it that really jumps out? Just how he approached everything. He wasn't like an open guy. He's not a guy that just you know uh, you have to really get to know him. He kind of was observant and just outside and. Uh, then wasn't really trustful. You know, he wasn't trusting a lot of people. But so at the end of the time, when you got close, if he got close to him or you got to really get to know him, you meant something to him. So. What about for you, the role in this defense? How, what, how excited are you about how you feel you're going to be used? Um, I'm very excited. I mean, you got a lot of things up his sleeves with me within this team. And then the scheme is kind of just worked best for all of us, honestly. The, the, it, 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 everybody can eat off, the, every, off of what we do and how we, how we play in this defense. And what, what is it that, you know, I, with that you don't want to obviously divulge what, how they're going to use you exactly. Yeah. But do, you, <laughs> do you feel like it's going to be used more, like, more to your strengths, I guess? Or is it, and why is that? Honestly, it's going to be more to everything they, can, they possibly saw me do over the past years and they, what they could do, do with me in different packages and uh, for myself. But other than that, I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't say much more. Cause you just want to. You know, we we got. I guess the point is we have to find out on the thirteenth of September, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is it? But do you feel like? Do you feel like? I mean, when you see how they're going to be used, 
is it something where you say, okay, good, I can cause a lot of havoc this way? Or yeah, most well, definitely. I'm I'm used to the things that I used to do within the defense and how you got me playing. I'm used to those things. And then, then with the last two coordinators I had, I was playing differently. I'm used to what he got me doing. Yeah. One of the guys who has jumped out in training camp for everybody outside of here has been Troy Apke. Uh, what have you been surprised by his development? I mean, he's the guy everybody talks about. Like you know, they're surprised that he's where he's at. But what about you? I'm not surprised. He's he's always in tune to what's going on. He's always studying. He's always asking questions. He's always trying to know before you know just be on point at everything that's going on. And he's a great he's great with communication. So. That's what I. That's what I harp on. I need somebody to talk to me because a lot be going on. I might be going in my head. I might see something and I might be ragging something. But I gotta still do my job because I just need the person next to me to always keep me in line and making sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's that's what he's been doing. He's very capable of doing that. He's been playing the post, been playing the half, and knowing what he's supposed to be doing and those doing doing his job. Where have you seen the biggest jump in his game? Um, his eyes, his eyes, and his transition and his breaks. That's what I see. I mean, he's been like I say, he's been practicing a lot of the, you know, uh, different, different, different skill sets that the coach has been teaching him. So he, he, with all that, he's been watching every every technique that he needs to do and been doing it in the practice of each and every play. And then with your corners, like guys like Darby coming in here, and it looks like a pretty solid group. What, how have you, what have you seen from that group? Um, I see a lot of uh, veterans, you know, veterans and guys that know the game, guys that know how to play and what they, what they expect. And um, they're using our talent, our ability and our talent to, to the best of our ability, you know, and um, and we're getting after it. So I don't have, like, guys that don't, you know, that's never been on the field or guys that just never, you know, uh, know what's going on and have a, a keen concept of, of defense. You got guys that's on the field that know what they're doing. And one of the things was communication last year, and a lot of that it goes into a lot of things. So I know it's not just about, um, you know, one little thing, but what? How has that been? And is it hard to get that in a summer where you haven't had a lot of time on the field as much as you normally would? And you're new, and it's a new difference. I think it'd be harder if I didn't know Troy. I've been, okay. I've been, I know for the past. This is my second, second year knowing him, playing with him, um, stuff like that. So I know him very well. So I think that's that's the that's the outcome of it. Like we can kind of figure it out on the go, and that's 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 a key concept. And then with 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 Coach Rivera, he's been through a lot this summer, just things having to handle with the organization, then his cancer diagnosis. What have you thought about how, what stood out to you about how he's handled, how you guys have seen him handle things? Man, you got some broad shoulders and a strong back, I tell you that much. And uh, he's doing a great job, phenomenal job with these players, coaching staff, organization, and keeping his head up high because at the end of the day, he got a lot going on in his life personally. And then with the organization, with all the craziness that was going on years before, um, he's handling it very well, and he's not harping on what happened with last year. He's not harping on this is we not last year's team. We we are a new team. There's new beginning, and we are a new change. You know, how much how important is that to hear that for players? It's very important because I mean a lot of people don't know what was going on over here and this uh, over here, but then what was going on last year. So just to hear that, like we're not gonna harp on last year. We're not gonna keep on talking about it. We gonna move on, and we don't. This is a new team, new scheme, new new everything. So. Uh, it was a blessing because kind of he kind of drowned players that was here last year, like what was going on, why you did this, and it just wasn't the same. And then with his, after, since the cancer diagnosis, have you seen any change in his demeanor and his energy or anything like that? I mean, he seems like he's nah, the same guy. He seems like feel like he's the same guy. He's um, been doing his his treatment, so we don't know when he go to treatment, but at the end of the day, he's been doing his treatments and coming back. He's had practice each and every day and um, keeping us um, ahead of steam and keeping us going.
Do you remember, was there a particular, I'll just keep you for one more minute, so I appreciate this, but do you remember a particular moment or something that he said that really resonated with you guys or with you about the situation or something where, you know, was there a moment, was there something he said that really kind of hammered home that there is, that he wants to change this and he's got those broad shoulders? Uh, there's been plenty of moments that he said that, bro. I think the biggest one is that regardless of the fact of, if I was, oh, I can't, can't remember the words on how he said it, but at the end of the day, he's going to protect us. He has our back regardless of win, lose, or loss. I mean, win, lose, or draw, he got us. So that's the biggest thing because players, players look for that. And then when all this craziness was going on this summer, did you sit back and wonder, like, man, I wonder how this guy's doing because that was a, that was a lot. It was a lot for him, but at the end of the day, he wasn't here. He got kind of thrown into the fire, but he handled it very well. So, like I said, man, hey, he's doing a great job. Like I said, you got broad shoulders and strong back. Thanks, Landon, man. I appreciate you joining me. You got it. After this break, I'll be back with former Washington receiver Trey Quinn. We spoke on Thursday about his efforts to raise money for his hometown of Lake Charles, Louisiana. He started a GoFundMe account under Trey's Hurricane Relief. Help out if you can. You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, loanoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E, OAKCoffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Trey Quinn. What is it that you you have the GoFundMe? When did you start that? Why did you want to start that? And what are you hoping to accomplish with this for Lake Charles? So uh, really just seeing uh, some of the pictures and hearing some of the stories that I'm getting from texts and calls and uh, just the overall tone of Lake Charles. I mean, people are heartbroken seeing, you know, the city just absolutely ruined after this storm. And some of the pictures, I mean, it, it's heartbreaking for me to see. It's uh, being explained and described as just like unrecognizable. And those are from people that have been there 20 plus years. So just getting getting into the conversations and uh, just thinking about what I can do to give back to the community that's given to me for uh, all my life. Uh, this was something that we think could go into effect real quick um, as far as being able to get 100% of the funds and then um, connecting with United Way, which I reached out to a couple of um, officers back there. One that really helped me out a lot. His name is Jeff Keenum. Uh, mm-hmm. I sent him a text and he got me connected with the Southwest Louisiana um, United Way and what they're uh, planning to do or what their uh, mission is, is to uh, get funds and put it directly back into the city uh, when there is flooding, hurricane, tornadoes, uh, any shortage of supplies. Uh, that's what 
they aim to do and assist the city in. So all the funds that will be raised in the GoFundMe account um, will be directly withdrawn into the United Way. So uh, just so everybody knows that uh, the money that is raised, uh, we know exactly where it's going and exactly who and what and uh, the city that it's uh, positively affecting. And where can where can people before we continue? Where can people contribute? Where's the where can they find the GoFundMe? So I have the GoFundMe in the the bio of uh, my Instagram account. I posted a vid, uh, two videos as well on it. We're trying to get it circulating as much as possible. Uh, I don't the GoFundMe URL is kind of tricky uh, to remember just right off the right off the bat. But uh, if you do uh, go to the GoFundMe website and type in Trey Quinn. Uh, it should be under Trey's hurricane relief or something of that sort. It should be pretty easy to find and you'll be able to uh, notify it from the, the bio um, that kind of explains who I am and uh, what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, there also is, um, it's also going through Facebook, uh, Twitter right now, uh, just circulating as is, is, uh, broad uh, viewing as is, is possible. And then wh- why... You know, and I was talking to your dad a little bit about this too. Like, what, what, how deep is your affection for that hometown, and why? I mean, obviously, you know, you grew up there. There's going to be an obvious affection, but it seems to be maybe a little bit deeper than just, hey, it's just my hometown. You know what I mean? It seems deeper than that. Yeah, I. Uh, there's a college there called McNeese State University that my grandfather coached at, and ever since I can remember, I was just tied into the city through that in football. Mm-hmm. I mean, growing up playing playing baseball and being supported just all throughout the city and getting to know the people around the city. And knowing that not just my name and my family has raised me to become who I am, but that city and how tough and resilient just the people that I've got to know in that city and the lifestyle and the the lessons I've been able to learn through teachers, coaches, officials in the city, just how united I've been. We've been able to come and overcome stuff throughout the, my, my life as far as Rita, uh, the the community and the high school I went to. And the, the city is so much of who I am and who, what I represent. And it means the world to me that I have this opportunity to, to give back in a time of need. And that and that that's where this roots from. That's what, just use being able to use my platform to get it to as many people around this world that can possibly give back and touch a life in my city. It, it would absolutely mean the world to me and uh, the people in Lake Charles. And you know, clearly, you know, people you can hear the emotion, I can see it, and it's I mean, it's 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 heartbreaking to hear because I've heard some stories from other people who are down there and what they need. And it's a lot. And like, you know, I know the mayor says he doesn't want it to be a forgotten place. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about this to make sure that people understand what it is they need. And, and, you know, I mean, how much, like, when did this, what, was there a moment or was there a picture that just kind of hit you harder with this that said, you see this, like, I've got to do something. I, uh, I mean, you see the pictures and, my dad tries to kind of filter a lot of the stuff out. So, I mean, being really uh, making sure I'm focused on what I have to do up here. Sure. But I mean, there's there's so much that I want to do for the city. And uh, I was just in a text conversation with uh, 
one of my old coaches and, and close friends, Alexander Armand, and uh, he was just kind of briefing it like the city needs you and the city needs could use just the 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 help and hand that you could provide with uh, just who I'm able to reach. And I said, you're damn right. And I got right to it. And I, I called my agent um, and he got me got me working with some of the marketing and they got it up and running real quick. Like I said, I reached off uh, out to a couple of the officers and Jeff Keenum really helped me um, immediately. I mean, it was within like 30 minutes that we were able to get connected with the United Way and uh, get this situated. Uh, so as soon as I, I heard, Trey, <laughs> Trey, we need you, uh, I'm willing to do anything, anything possible for that city. And this is a lot. I'm curious if there's more that you want to do or think you're able to do at this point, because it's, you know, obviously you've got a, something you're fighting for up here, but is there, is there more that you plan, would like to do? And again, this is a lot and what you're doing is great, but is there more just knowing, you know, who you are and your family, what they stand for. I just wonder, like, you know, do you feel like there's more you want to do or could do? There, there's definitely more that I plan on doing and I'm working on doing right now. Um, and it's going to be a, a long rebuilding process from, from what I'm hearing. I'm going to have the opportunity to go back and, and help pick up and be hands-on right now. Uh, but being so far away, uh, the initial uh, GoFundMe account is what it was uh, most important sure. at the time. And then obviously there will be um, extra funds that I'm absolutely willing to provide for the city um, as the season as the season starts and goes on. And there will be more ideas. Um, just talking to people back home and uh, what I can do and um, hopefully getting more in contact with some of the city officials of what they recommend and uh, just kind of uh, listening um, more than talking, just listening to what what the needs are and acting as efficiently as possible. We, do you remember what happened with Hurricane Rita? Do you have a, a big memory of that? Because that came right after Katrina. It, it was tough. I was younger. I want to say I was about fourth or fifth grade. And uh, like I said, my dad uh, kind of wants to take the burden yeah, and, uh, and hide a lot of what the reality was. So I, I do remember, um, I mean, shingles down and, and trees down when I was back home, which was already a, two months after cleanup. Uh, I, I had to move schools uh, three hours away and uh, for a couple months and play football for uh, some, a different team. And it was different and it was strange, but, uh, and I wish I remembered more to be able to relate more to the situation, but I just know from the words that I'm hearing and the stories that I'm hearing that this is, uh, uh, this is twice as bad as, is what any, anybody expected in, uh, in Rita. Um, and it's devastating seeing uh, seeing some of these pictures and some of these houses down. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm telling people, they're like, you don't want to be here right now with how this looks. I was like, you have no idea how bad I want to be there and be able to help and just uh, right. be able to pick up and be in the community. And, it, and it's tough. It's tough day to day knowing that I'm not over there to help. But uh, like I said, this is the steps that I'm able to take right now. And uh, there will definitely be further action taken by me. Sure. And then one of the things, too, in talking to your dad that, he brought up the connection because like you go to LSU that, you know, hometown team, then you transfer, you know, how college football fans are a guy transferred from their favorite school. They're not always so kind, but he said the connection with this, with Lake Charles, like there was a, there was a mutual love affair, for lack of a better word, like they had your back throughout mm -hmm. that process. 
How much yeah. did that mean to you? And how did they have your back? And that explains it so well of, I mean, my dad says it's it's a bunch of Trey Quinn fans and you and I freaking love that. And I, and I know the city has my back and I know there's a ton of them that will fight for me and that's why I want to fight for it. Um, it it's exciting in that process when uh, there were, you started seeing a little more red and blue around the area, a couple of um, hmm. pony logos on some shirts and some cars. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it was, it's special. And uh, that's just a little bit of, of what the city has supported me through my life. Um, I mean, like I said, since I was a kid, it just, it seemed like it's, it's such a comforting and family atmosphere that uh, it's, a, it's a bunch of people that will do anything for, for the community. And then I think that it's it's a tough it's a tough city, and that's what Lake Charles represents is a it's a tough family atmosphere, and uh, and I can't thank it enough for making it who I am today, and uh, yeah. Like I said, I was listening to a radio interview, and, and a late uh, there was a woman on there talking about how where she had to drive to be because there was nothing around there. She had to drive three hours each way just to go stay with someone and get back and take care of things. Mm-hmm. Lack of gas, lack of water, and just like. And, you know, and just some people, unfortunately, coming in to take advantage of people, too. So it's like it's, you know, it was just it's heartbreaking to hear when when people are going through a tragedy like that. So I think it's 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 pretty it's very admirable how you want to step in and help. And it's got I mean, I don't want to say make you feel good, but make you feel good that you can help. Uh, I love the opportunity that I have right now. Uh, and I agree with you fully. And yeah, the, there are stories. I mean, uh, my family's one example. I mean, you're they're driving an hour a day because there's no electricity, no water, and uh, they, but they have to go in and work and and clean up the start the cleanup, start the rebuild, and it, it's sad. Uh, and I mean, I'm talking to my family every day about it. And they're putting on a smile and battling through adversity because uh, that's what the city and my family has raised uh, everybody to do is to smile in the face of adversity. Um, but yeah. Uh, no, it's a uh, it's going to be a, t- a tough year, uh, but it's uh, definitely something that will be overcome with a little bit of hope. Why well, you talk about the toughness a lot? How do, where, where do you see that toughness, and then how does that instilled in you? Like, wh- how do you when you're out there? Do you see like that's a Lake Charles play? You know what I mean? Like, is that's a Lake Charles mentality? I it, it's it's tough to explain. Um, I, I think you have to be around it. You have to be around the people and just kind of. Uh, get a sense of and a feel of the tone uh, when you're talking to some of the people and, and just uh, see the the fight in their eyes. It's, it's not something that you can explain. And that's so like tangible. It's mm-hmm. more a, a feeling and a tone that you can get just from being around the people, just from talking to people and hearing some of the things that they've been through. Uh, like, I, like you uh, said earlier with Rita and stuff, I mean, we rebuilt it and it was beautiful. It is a beautiful place still. Um, and, and that's just one of the things that this is going to be another tally to um, that story of adversity. Something that we'll overcome is, is Laura. And if, it, yeah, if anybody can deal with it, it's like Charles. But like I said, we do need the help that we can get. And uh, yeah, we're just going to tie this, this up to a, another fight through adversity. And uh, once we're overcome it, uh, be stronger for it. And then the last thing I want to ask, too, because like one of the things your dad said, he doesn't want you. He wants you focusing on your job. Your job appears to make the roster. How do you feel from a football perspective? You know, how have you felt this summer? And I know like it was last year hard for you because you were still dealing with some of those lingering issues that probably impacted your game. Yeah, no, I feel great. I feel like I've had the uh, to be honest with you, I feel like I had the best offseason possible. 
changed trainers and really opened up more of, I think, my athletic ability and what um, I'm able to do. I've uh, increased explosion, increased range, range of motion in my hips and uh, really changed kind of the way I'm moving. Um, also been able to change the way I think um, with a little, I guess, you know, change of um, uh, reality for me, I guess. And uh, just a little bit different story this year versus last year and uh knowing that there needs to be a change in my game i, I was able to address that mentally and physically and make the changes i needed to make and I, I feel as good as ever about who i am as a person and a player i i think i also think i apologize for what i said last thing but the way this offense runs it taps into versatility and you have that you few guys on that offense have that but you can line up in different spots you can you can block, you can do, you can run the ball, you know, you can, you run in jet action. So do you feel like this offense fits you? Oh, uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm enjoying it right now. It's, you know, you know, how camp is you're, you're out there day to day throughout the day, just competing. So um, I've taken the time to just kind of enjoy it. Um, like I said about Lake Charles, I mean, I'm smiling face of adversity, whatever that may be. And um, just taking it one step at a time and being where my feet are uh, and, really just enjoying each day that I'm blessed with. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it is a different offense than what I'm, uh, I've been playing. And then uh, that's part of the NFL is being able to adapt. And uh, the versatility that I, um, I have definitely does benefit me. And uh, looking forward to another season. Trey, thank you very much. And, and, again, for people listening, go out and support the GoFundMe approach uh, or GoFundMe page and, and – Help out. So I uh, thank you for doing this. And, and I think it's a good thing that you're doing. And, and I'm sure your parents are very proud for the proactive approach you've taken. Yeah, no, I appreciate you doing uh, the story and doing whatever you can. It means a lot. Thanks, Trey. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you to Landon Collins and Trey Quinn for joining me. Thanks to Lono Coffee for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening. We're almost there, folks. Season about to start. We can finally talk about games. And I'll have a conversation with linebacker Thomas Davis on the next episode. Talk to you next time.